guys. So this week we're doing the sermon from here in my veg garden. Turns out veg gardening has become like the new thing this year with people working from home and just having more time at home, not able to get out and about. They're using that time to grow vegetables. Perhaps that will help as well with not having to spend quite so much time in those long queues for Tesco's at the moment. So some of us, I think, are getting a little bit competitive about this, mentioning no names. You know who you are. Um, I, of course, am never competitive, but I do feel I need to up my game a little bit this year because, if I'm honest, the last few years I haven't really been on top of things in the garden. As you can probably tell by looking at the vegetable bed behind me here, um, which currently has grass growing all over it. Now, for those of you who aren't experts in vegetable gardening, a little bit of wisdom for you. Vegetable beds are not supposed to have grass growing all over them. So what am I going to do about that? Well, I think I've got two approaches here. The first thing I could do is I could dig over that bed, carefully weed out all of the grass. The second thing I could do is have a bonfire. So digging it over and weeding out the grass would be quite hard work. Having a bonfire would be fun. I like any excuse for a fire. So I happen to have behind me, over here, plenty of wood that actually needs burning, a load of prunings from this year. So that's what I'm going to do. So whilst I get ready for the bonfire, why don't you guys listen to the reading this week, which is from Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue, 90 feet high and 9 feet thick. He set it up on the Jura Plain in the province of Babylon. He then ordered all the important leaders in the province, everybody who was anybody, to the dedication ceremony of the statue. They all came for the dedication, all the important people, and took their places before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. A herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, Attention everyone! Every race, colour and creed, listen. When you hear the band strike up, all the trumpets and trombones, the tubers and baritones, the drums and cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Anyone who does not kneel and worship shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. The band started to play, a huge band equipped with all the musical instruments of Babylon, and everyone, every race, colour and creed, fell to their knees and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Just then, some Babylonian fortune-tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You gave strict orders, O king! And that when the band, big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who, whom you have placed in high positions in the province of Babylon. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I have made. 
If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the god who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the god we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. O king, but even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to it. While the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, suddenly King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, Didn't we throw three men, bound head, hand and foot, into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed, and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the high god, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders, the king's counsellors gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men. Not a hair singed, not a scorch marked on, mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than severe serve or worship any god but their own. Therefore I issue this decree. Anyone anywhere of any race, colour or creed who says anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego will be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and their houses torn down. The... There has never been a god who can pull off a rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thanks, Kezia. So here we are at my bonfire then. Do you like it? So we've just heard that story about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how they resolved that in spite of the king's instructions, they would not bow down and worship this golden statue. They were determined in their resolve. And I wonder if you can imagine then what it must have been like for them, having made that decision, when the music played, when those instruments sounded, they heard that overwhelming chorus of sounds and the people all around them would have dropped to their knees and start worshipping this statue. How overwhelming must the pressure have been in that moment for them to just fall to their knees too and bow down to that statue? I wonder if like me in in, in this current situation you've resolved that you're going to stay strong, you're going to keep going 
perhaps you've resolved to use your time at home to do some extra reading or learn a new skill. Maybe you're getting on top of the garden like I am. Maybe you're determined that your prayer life, your, your Bible reading is going to be on a whole other level at this time. And your resolve is strong in that. But then those moments come where the noise gets in, whether that's as you hear about the the news of how many people are now infected or or the increasing death rates that are coming day by day and you get afraid or maybe just the prospect of yet another day having to keep yourself going find that motivation again when you're stuck at home becomes overwhelming perhaps for you it's simply the noise of the kids again as you try and keep them occupied you try and keep them entertained and in that moment as you're overwhelmed The temptation is to bow down, perhaps bow down to fear of what might be coming, to bow down to despair and hopelessness, to bow down to frustration, to bow down to fear. You know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are strong in their resolve. They are determined they will not bow. But eventually... It catches up with them. Nebuchadnezzar hears about them and summons them. And now they're not just faced with with that peer pressure and the, the overwhelming sound of the music. They are faced with a fiery furnace, hotter than this one that's singeing my knees right now. This threat now is real to them. And yet still, they stand firm. Let's remind ourselves what it said in the passage. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are determined to stand strong because they know that God can rescue them from the fire, that he is strong enough. But more than that, they declare that they will stand strong even if he doesn't. Now, here's the thing, guys. God can protect us from this virus that's going round. He is able to. He can save everyone. But he might not. Don't doubt that he can, however. The thing is, if he doesn't save everyone, does that mean that we should bow down to our fears, that we should give up on him? What they say is, but if not, be it known that we will not serve your gods. We will not turn away from God if he doesn't protect us. And actually, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego aren't saved from fire. They are thrown into that furnace at its highest setting. They're chucked in, bound up with with no way of fighting back for themselves. The reality is that just because we trust God, just because we stand strong in our faith to him, doesn't mean we won't face fires, doesn't mean that we won't face these threats. And it doesn't mean that the fire is going to be any less hot for us. But what we need to know is that for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, something happened to them in the fire and something happens for us in the fire too. 
Let's read about them. Suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, Didn't we throw three men, bound hand and foot, into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. So a question for you now, guys. How was the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thrown into the fire? Go, go ahead and comment underneath. I'm hoping that right now there's lots of little words saying bound, bound up, popping up down there on the screen. They were thrown into that fire bound, tied up. But what Nebuchadnezzar sees is them walking around freely in the fire, unbound, and that there's someone else in there with them. Let's think about this thing that they were unbound first of all. Fire in the Bible is often used to illustrate a, a process of refining, of cleansing, of setting free from things. It's, it's a bit like the idea of, of gold being refined in a furnace. When you smelt gold, um, it starts off impure with all of this other stuff mixed in with it. And as they smelt the gold and it becomes liquid, all of the stuff you don't want, all of the bad bits float up to the surface where they're burnt off. I wonder how many of you would confess, like me, that during the, the pressure of the last couple of weeks, the bits of you that you're perhaps not quite so proud of, the bits that you don't really like other people to see, have been just floating up to the surface. But it's up there at the surface where God can burn off those bits that we're ashamed of, those parts of, of our character that we really wish weren't there. As they come up to the surface, he can burn them off. This fire's got a while longer to burn yet. But right now, you're going to go and visit Lydia in her home because she's going to share a little bit with us about something else that happens in a furnace with fire to do with pottery. So I'll leave you to talk with Lydia for a bit and I'll see you soon. When firing clay, it's, un it's important to understand what we're actually putting in the kiln. So what is clay? Clay, in its simplest definition, is um, the decomposition of igneous rock. It is not mud or dirt, which is the decomposition of plants and other organic materials. Clay, without going into too much geology, is basically the result of minerals being pushed to the surface and then through um, weathering and various other uh, natural processes, clay is formed. And there are three forms of it that are most common on the world. Well, there are three forms of it. The first is earthenware. And earthenware is the version that is the most common and easiest to access and it's why it can be found in pottery all over the world. It is the most dilute and um, I guess even weakest of the three clays and can be pretty much made into anything. The second 
is stoneware which by a slight change in recipe is stronger watertight and uh, can withstand higher temperatures the third is porcelain and that is a primary clay it has the highest um, percentage of something called kaolin and it's often white it's um, very very strong and can withstand the highest temperatures of around even up to 1400 degrees centigrade fun fact bone china is not a clay it is an industrial copy created by Josiah Spode to compete with the porcelain imports from China bone china is made up of up to 50% powdered animal bones plus other minerals thrown in to make it look like porcelain so when firing we've got two main processes one turns the clay into ceramic and that happens at about eight or nine hundred degrees on the first firing then the second firing is for glazing and that's when you apply a mixture of water silica and various other minerals and oxides for color and um, that makes that improves the watertightness of the piece and also makes it hygienic as well as pretty to look at and this is where you need to know your differences in clay because they all fire at different temperatures earthenware is 1060 to 1080 um, stoneware is 1260 and as I mentioned earlier porcelain can be fired up to 1400 degrees it is for the potter to know what they put in the kiln it's for the potter to know if they want the best results of their, uh, their of what they've made that they must be aware of how much that pot can take what I love about what Lydia shared there is is how a potter knows exactly what's needed for, for each different type of clay. A potter knows what temperature to fire it at to get the very best results out of it. And that's how God is with us. God knows exactly what we need. God knows exactly how to bring the best out of us. God won't put us in a fire that's too hot for us. Maybe if you feel like the fire's getting pretty hot for you right now, maybe it's because he's working something really special in you. Maybe like that porcelain, he's putting that higher temperature to draw out extra strength and something extra beautiful in you. We've got the remains of my bonfire here. You can see the ashes lying at my feet. And what's so good about having done this is that those weeds that were in this particular patch haven't just had their tops cut off so that they then regrow later but they've been burnt out right down to the roots and I'm believing that, that as we go through this fire and, and we are refined by God some of those deep rooted things will be burnt out never to regrow can we talk for a moment then about this fourth person that was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? King Nebuchadnezzar described him as, as one like the son of the gods. Who is it who's like God but, but comes down and walks 
amongst men as a man. Of course, it's Jesus. Way before this happened, this story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Isaiah prophesied. He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. The flames will not consume us because Jesus is with us in our fire. Jesus came into our fire when he went to the cross. You know, today's Palm Sunday, the the, the day when churches remember Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the donkey and, and all of the crowds were cheering and waving palm branches in celebration of Jesus as king. But to win his victory, Jesus had to go into the fire. He had to go to the cross and face that painful death in order to come out the other side. He had to carry our sin and our shame to win that victory so that we can walk around freely in the fire, so that we in the fire can be refined and can emerge from the fire stronger, purer and ready for new growth. Can this be our testimony during this time, guys? Yes, we're facing fires right now, that the world is facing something we've never seen the likes of before. But we will not bow down to fear at this time. We will not bow down to despair because we know that Jesus is with us in this fire. And Jesus will use this time to grow us, to purify us, to strengthen us, to leave us unbound from things that have held us back before. We will find ourselves walking free through the fires of this time. We're going to close our time together this morning by breaking bread. Hopefully you've joined us prepared with with something to use for that. But if you haven't, don't worry. Just use whatever you've got to hand. If, If all you've got is a banana and a cup of tea, just use that. It's fine. God won't mind. As we break bread together this morning, let's remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, that he went into the fire for us. As we share the bread representing his body, and the cup representing his blood. We remember that he is with us in the fire. Let's find our confidence in him, knowing that he's with us, and let's be brave enough to invite him to to burn off the stuff that we don't want to be part of us anymore. Let's find our confidence in him, knowing that someday soon we will come out of the ashes refined, purified, stronger and ready for whatever he's going to call us into next. Let's break bread together now.